One. I stand alone and who will hear me? One. A number, a feeling, loneliness. During this pandemic, we've had a lot of time to try new things and talk with other people. But many just felt lonely because we were apart. But you forgot something. You left it behind when you were last here together in person. You left one friend behind. But that friend always went with you to your homes, even when you couldn't be here. Who was it? Let's see if you figured it out or not. Because we all have those people. The ones you said you'd contact but never got back to. The ones you really forgot. And the ones you're too scared to ask for help because it's been too long. You value your friends because they are there when everything falls apart. Because they listen to your problems and because they are your family when you have none to rely on. How much more is God? We apply human limitations and human emotions to someone who doesn't have them because God is love. Love is patient with you. Love never fails to hope because love leaves envy far behind. It's already forgotten the time you spent apart. Now you're here, not alone, together. And this is where you need to be. And God wants to welcome you here into this house where you will never be turned away because God calls us all a friend. Faithful like no other, you are a friend to the end. 
faith. I hope that's getting in your spirit. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, family. Welcome, friends. And I hope that you know and realize that it's not just us, that we're friends with each other, that you have a friendship with God Almighty, and He can stick closer than a brother. He will never let us down. He will never leave us. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. That is our hope. That is our faith. And that is what we stand upon today. You're going to hear that over and over today, that God is your friend. And I hope that you know that you're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're not unseen. You're not unknown. You are known intimately, deeply, and loved by God the Father, and also God, your friend and my friend. So today we give him thanks. So right there in the chat, if you can, just put in a praise the Lord. Welcome to all your friends. Go invite somebody in on the service. Have friendship with someone in the house of God. We love you, Cathedral of Faith. Stay locked. We're going to have an amazing service today. We love you. Aloha, friends. Whether you're joining us online or in person, thanks for being here today. And if you're new, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And like any relationship, we'd like to get to know you better. We have a little card we'd love for you to fill out, and you can access the card by scanning the QR code, or you can text NEW to 408-912-1575. Or we have paper forms available at the guest centers in the lobby. Well, I just have one announcement for you this weekend. Aloha Night with DeAndre, Saturday, August 14th, 7 o'clock in the amphitheater. DeAndre is going to be singing. The coffee students are going to be selling shaved ice. We're going to have Hawaiian dancers and food trucks. So put it on the calendar. Grab those Hawaiian shirts or dresses. Leave the coconut shells at home. And I'll see you on August 14th. Be sure to follow us on social media. And if you haven't heard, we're now on TikTok. And we'd love to stay connected with you. I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Stephanie. You're about to hear a great message from Pastor Ken as we begin this new series entitled Questions of Silicon Valley. Did you know that there are 3,294 questions in the Bible? There's also lots of answers there. In fact, questions are how we discover that first syllable. Quest is a discovery, a pursuit, a longing to know. And the scriptures help us do that. In fact, people ask Jesus in the Gospels 187 questions. And he himself asked 307 questions. Well, I have a question for you today. It's a question that God asked his people in the book of Malachi, and I think he wants to ask us today. Let's look at the word of the Lord. It says, return to me, then I will return to you, says the Lord who rules over all. But you ask, how can we return? So the people are asking God a question. What, what do you mean we've left you? How do we return? And he goes on then to say this. Will a mere human being dare to steal from God? There's God asking us a question, but he goes on to say, but you're robbing from me. You're stealing from me. And then the people ask him a question. How are we robbing you? How are we stealing from you? All these questions back and forth. And then God begins the answer himself. Here's what he says. By holding back your offerings, you also steal from me when you do not bring me a tenth of everything you produce. He goes on to say, bring the entire tenth and then there will be plenty. Test me this way. Then you will see that I will throw open the windows of heaven. And then finally a promise. After all these questions, God says, I will pour out so many blessings that you will not have enough room to store them. Here's the question for each of us in this moment. Are we stealing from God? Because when we hold back our tithes and offerings, that's what he says we're doing. Hopefully we answer that question this moment says, no, God, I want to be part of your, what you're doing. I recognize that everything comes from you. And you can give in a variety of ways in this moment. You can go online. You can go to our website. You can open up the app. 
You can text to the number that's on the screen or go old school, write out a check and drop it by the office during the week or mail it in. God asked each of us that question in this moment because as we give, not only do we get the joy of giving because he's given to us through cathedrals ministries, we are feeding thousands of people each week. We are touching widows and orphans and homeless. You get to be a blessing. In fact, that promise ends this way. It says, I will pour out so many blessings that you won't have enough room to hold them. And Lord, I just pray that over your people right now. As we give As we respond to you, Lord, I pray that your blessings would flow. You've blessed us to be a blessing. And I pray that you would help us as you ask us that question today. Will we rob you? And the answer is no. We bless you. We bless your work. And I bless your people for their obedience in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, God has given us so many incredible blessings here at Cathedral of Faith. And one of them is the amazing pastor and leader he's given to us in Pastor Ken. May the Lord open up your ears to hear the word of the Lord as he comes to speak to us today. Pastor Ken. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. And thank you for being a part of our online community. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. And I hope you know that you're loved today. We pray for our online community and We're just so glad you're on the journey with us together. Well, as Dr. Wayne mentioned, we begin a series this month in the month of August. We're going to think about, uh, well, the questions of Silicon Valley. Because after all, you and I, we live in the high-tech hub of the universe. It's such an innovative, creative place we are graced to be a part of. My parents, well, we all moved out here back in 1965. And so I've had the, well, the privilege of watching, you know, apple trees become apple watches. And what a journey it's been. Did you know that the technology in an apple watch, they have more technology in that watch than on the first spaceship that went to the moon? How amazing is that? Now, I know living in the Bay Area has its own set of challenges. There is that little weather tax we pay. But still, I'm so grateful to be a part of, well, living at this time and in this place. I wonder if this is kind of what it was like to be alive during the time of the Renaissance or the Industrial Revolution. And since we are surrounded by all this technology, I invite you to think with me this month about questions that are connected to and flow out of our technology. And the first question I want us to think about involves Facebook. I saw this one meme and well, you can see at the the heading is me learning Facebook and underneath it reads, I understand nothing. Well, I resemble that remark. I don't know that much about Facebook, but there seems to be a lot of people who do. Facebook has over 2 billion active users. I was talking with a a friend recently who works at Facebook, and he said that when the pandemic hit, Facebook developed a department. They have over 500 employees that were tasked with helping churches to stream their services online. And I am thankful to Facebook for that. Of course, a big thing about Facebook has to do with friends. It's a, it's a platform for being social with other people. And what you do is you receive a friend request. And if you click confirm, then you accept them as being your friend. And now we are friends. I read that the average person has 333 friends. I received a friend request a while back and I clicked to confirm it and I couldn't add him because he had too many friends. Facebook only allows 5,000 friends and this guy already had 5,000 friends. And then my self-esteem went into the tank because he had more friends than I do. Now, 5,000 friends on Facebook. And the question I want us to think about, well, smartphone, Siri, can you help me out? 
Hey Pastor Ken, are Facebook friends enough? Is it enough? Even if you have 5,000 of them, are Facebook friends enough? It's ironic that as we've seen our use of social media, well, it's been on the rise. At the same time, the actual connection we have with others has been on the decline. And studies show that there's more loneliness now in the Silicon Valley than ever before. Why is that? How can we get that feeling of connection back? What would it look like to have the kind of friend or the kind of friendship that the Bible talks about? Proverbs 27 verse 9 reads this way. Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of the God's presence. Sweet friendships refresh the soul. They're life-giving. They are literally life-giving. There was one psychologist and what she did was a, kind of a, a meta-analysis of 148 different studies on the impact of friendships when it came to uh, longevity. And they found that there was a connection between the friendships you have and how long you live. She puts it this way. She said, people with a solid group of friends are 50% more likely to survive at any given time than those without one. Sweet friendships. They're life-giving. How much do I value sweet friendships that refresh the soul? When actor George Clooney was 53 years old, he decided to do something. He had friends, well, they had been lifelong friends with him for over 35 years. And he remembered how they had been there for him to support him and cheer him on. All those years that when he was first starting out and he was broke and he needed a place to stay, they would let him sleep on the couch. And so he wanted to do something to express his gratitude for them. And so in something that was right out of the movies, what he did is he got an old van, bought 12 different bags, went to the bank got a million dollars for each bag, put it into the bag, set up a meeting with his buddies, and then he gave them each a bag of a million dollars in non-sequential bills. He was grateful for friendship. He valued friendship. What if you and I were to take another look at the friendships we have and say, I want to go deeper and further. I want to learn what it is to have that sweet friendship of the soul that the Bible talks about. How do we get it? How do we keep it? Well, the Bible can help us to find our way. First of all, think with me about going deeper. Now, back in the day when I was young, if you wanted to go viral, you would do something like this. You would see how many people you could pile into a Volkswagen. They're not social distanced. And have you noticed that you can be in places like this, at school, at work, here in the valley, at church. You can be in places where there are lots of people around. On Facebook, you can have 5,000 friends. And yet, if there's no deep connection with anyone, it gives the illusion of friendship. But it really is a case of 5,000 acquaintances. The writer of Proverbs talks about this. And he says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now this is not really a knock on brothers, although maybe some brothers could use a knocking. 
Uh, did my brother just say amen? But it's talking about what friendship can be in your life. To have such a close, intimate connection with somebody. There was a, a, an author who wrote a book called Making Friends, Making Disciples. And in it, he includes a diagram uh, to think, help you think about the relationships you have in your life. Outside these circles, there are strangers. And then once you get inside the circles, well, you move closer to the center and there are casual friends. And then there's social friends. And then there's special friends. And then there's best friends. And best friends, well, this is when you're in the center of the circle. Friends who know you and you know them. See, the challenge of Facebook is when we have friends on there, we tend to see only their best sides. We see their best vacations. We see uh, you know, their best moments in life. We see their best victories. And we see the best version of themselves. But as we travel toward the inner part of this circle, well, we do something kind of like Will Smith did recently. He went countercultural and he posted this on Instagram. He said, I'm going to be real with y'all. I'm in the worst shape of my life. Of course, the worst shape of his life is the best shape of my life. But that's what we do when we journey to the, well, to the inside of those circles, the deeper we go. We begin to be real with somebody. They not only know the best about us, but even the other parts of us. They know our fears. They know our struggles. They know our, our weaknesses. They know our pain. They know the best about us, but they know the other stuff about us. And this is how you go deeper and further with a connection that's heart to heart, soul to soul. A while back, I was playing golf and I was with a buddy and I would say when we started, well, the relationship was right here. We were social friends. And it's amazing how over those four hours, we talked about life, we talked about victories, we talked about dreams. But then we talked about our brokenness. And as we shared about our brokenness, I shared with him about my brokenness. He shared with me about his brokenness. What I realized in that moment, he gets me. And I get him. And what happened in that four hours, we went from casual social friends, it fast-tracked us right here to the center of the circle. And we have been special friends best friends ever since that day. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody right now that you are going deep with? Let me move it a little further. Is there anyone right now you would say, you know, with that person, with that friend in my life, there are no real secrets between us. He knows me and I know him. The power of knowing and being known. That's the secret of friendship. Jesus himself had this kind of relationship. Now on the one hand, Jesus had lots of Facebook fans and followers. He really did. But then Jesus had what I would call his circle of friends. People that he was going deep with. The 12 disciples. And even within the 12, he had three that formed his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. These three he took with him. Everybody else he made 
them leave when he was going to raise a young lady from the dead. But those three were with him. He took these three to the Mount of Transfiguration so they could see with their eyes his glory. And then the night before he's crucified, he takes these three, his inner circle. He wanted to be with his friends. And he takes his inner circle with him to the garden. And he opens up his heart and opens up his soul. And he shares with them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. And that's what we do. As we begin to move to deeper places of friendship, of knowing and being known, it's a little bit like this door right here. You know, there may be somebody on the other side of the door. I like them. I admire them. We have so much in common. They may be knocking on that door. But I have to decide in that moment, well, I crack the door and let them in. Let them into my heart. Let them into my soul. Now, fear will keep that door locked and bolted. But if God gives me the courage to just crack that door a little bit, well, then I'm on my way to the kind of friendship, heart to heart, soul to soul. This is the friendship that refreshes the soul. Being known and knowing Jesus once said this in John chapter 15. He said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Are there people in my life that I'm getting to know them and they're getting to know me? That is a pathway to sweet friendship. A friendship that will refresh your soul. Now that brings us to the next clue. And the next clue is this. How do we develop sweet friendships? Well, it's all about getting sharper. Getting sharper. In Proverbs 27, 17, we read this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we do. That's part of the power of friendship. We shape each other. We sharpen each other. We amplify each other. We multiply each other. In fact, Ecclesiastes puts it this way. It says two can accomplish more than twice as much as one for the results can be much better. More than twice as much as one. Friendship, the power of friendship taps into the power of synergy and it amplifies who we are. Together, we can be more. We can do more for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. That's what can come out of the sweet friendship of the soul. Of course, the power of synergy can work both ways. It can bring out the best of us, but it can also, I mean, by myself, I'll get a ticket. But with my friend, I can end up in jail. It all depends on what kind of synergy is happening. And that's why Proverbs warns us. It says, the righteous person is cautious in his friendship. So here's something to think about. Who am I rubbing off on? And who is rubbing off on me? There was a study done over in England and they followed 2,000 high school students. And here's what they discovered. There were those who were diagnosed as being clinically depressed. But when they were surrounded by people who they called had a healthy mood, they were twice as likely, twice as likely to recover from depression than those who didn't have that kind of relationship. See, who's rubbing off on you? And how are you rubbing off on them? 
I have a friend here at the church and well, he's been a buddy for over 35 years. He's worked in the tech industry, started at Apple, now works at Amazon. And he has this thing that he does when he's, when something happens that doesn't go his way as he planned, well, he'll just shrug his shoulders and he'll say, well, in fact, I invite you to get interactive with me. Would you say it right there in your home? Oh, well. Oh, I could hear you all the way on this side. One time more, would you say it with me with a little attitude? Oh, well. And do you know that, well, <laughs> I found that when things did not go according to the way I had planned, that I found myself, I didn't work at it. I didn't try to learn it. It just happened through osmosis. One day I shrugged my shoulders and I said, guess what? See, our friends do subconsciously rub off on us. And so who am I rubbing off on? And how are they rubbing off on me? We want to make sure that in our inner circle, that we have enough people who are, well, they have the same values that we have. They have the same character goals that we have. They're on the same spiritual page that we're on. I mean, you want to be to everyone. You want to be kind. You want to be generous. You want to reach out. You know, Jesus himself, the Bible says, was a friend to sinners. And yet inside that inner circle, you want to make sure that you have enough people that are walking on the same path that you are. The Bible says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Or one mug puts it like this. If we can see that, yeah, it's hard to soar with the eagles, when you're surrounded by turkeys, hello. There were a group of buddies who lived in Oxford, taught at the university back in the 1930s. And they called themselves the Inklings. Now, they called themselves that because they were all aspiring authors. And what they would do is they'd get together every week and they'd laugh and they'd joke and they'd have fun and they'd catch up. But then they would take their works that they were, you know, the, the writings that they were working on and they would read them to one another. And then they would have a discussion and well, they would critique each other's works. Now, criticism can have a sting to it. And yet, when you know that it's coming from a friend, that this is a person who loves me this is a person who's committed to me. This is a person who wants to bring out the best in me. And so they cheer me on, they inspire me, and then they challenge me in ways how I can be better. Well, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so what happened was out of that, out of that group and out of that process, we ended up with this book, right here this book eventually became a movie called the lord of the rings and it came out of a group of guys and a process where iron was sharpening iron and the author who was a committed follower of jesus J.R. tolkien he said this he said what i owe to them all is incalculable only by their support and friendship did i ever struggle to the end would we have this had it not been for the inklings? Who knows? The people that you're surrounding yourself with, what is God gonna bring out of that process? It's the sweet friendship that refreshes the soul and brings out the very best in each one of us. And then finally, here's another clue to finding that kind of friendship and that's staying faithful, staying faithful. A friend, the Bible says, a friend loves at all times. Let me underline that, all times. Let me circle that, all times. I heard about these two friends who had, 
Well, they had grown old together. And as they were getting older, they were talking about the challenges of, of becoming older. I remember my friend telling, or my dad telling me that, you know, growing old isn't for cowards. And they were talking about the challenges of growing older. And one friend said, what really bothers me is the whole memory loss thing. For example, I, I know I've known you all my life, but right now I can't remember your name. What is it? And his friend paused and said, well, how soon do you need to know? <laughs> A friend loves at all times. Let me give you an image of the kind of friendship connections that are in our culture today. The first is what I call a Velcro connection. You know how Velcro works. These two boards are Velcroed together. And well, it sticks together, but with a little pressure, it comes apart. And sometimes that's the kind of connection we have in our friendships. We're stuck together and yet something happens and we click unfriend. You know, they don't remember our birthday and we click unfriend. Or they're not as popular as they used to be and so we click unfriend. Or they don't vote the same way that we voted. Hello! And they click unfriend. I saw this one, uh, this one image of somebody who's saying that awkward moment when Facebook suggests you add a friend that you didn't realize had unfriended you. It's a Velcro kind of connection. Proverbs talks about that connection this way. It says, wealth makes many friends, but poverty drives them all away. We live in what's known as the throwaway culture. And a throwaway culture has bled into our friendships. So that when something happens that, well, I don't know. Well, friendship, we just click on friend and it goes away. But there's another kind of friendship the Bible talks about. And that's what I call a super glue kind of friendship. Because these boards, they're glued together. And boy, they're much sturdier in their connection. Much more stable. And the Bible talks about this superglue connection and applauds it in such a way. It says that not only are you to be faithful to your friends, but look at what it says. Don't forsake your friend or the friend of your father. There's a generational kind of thing that goes on. Not only do I not forsake my friends, but I don't forsake the friends of my father. What kind of friendships do you have in your life? You know, see, friendship that refreshes the soul, it's a superglue kind of friendship. It's the kind of friendship that stands with somebody during a storm. Is there someone that you need to stand with today? It's the kind of friendship that forgives someone when they've wronged you. The Bible says this about forgiveness in the book of Proverbs. It says love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Is there someone that you need to forgive today? Well, a superglue friendship, it defends a friend when they're attacked. You know, Aristotle, the great philosopher, once said that the, the antidote for 50 enemies is one solid friend. Is there someone that you need to defend today? A superglue friend celebrates success. Wait a second. Time out. I was tracking with you, Pastor Ken, on those other things, but celebrating success? Do you really need super glue for that? Well, listen to Oprah talk about 
the friendship that she's had with Gail over all these years. You know, Gail and I've been friends since we were 21, 21 and 22. 22. Now we're 66 and 67. She's older. And yes, I'm definitely older. And I have to say that one of the reasons we've remained friends is, 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 is the same thing that I tell people. Surround yourself with somebody who is as happy for your happiness as you are for your happiness. And over the years, Gail has always been happier, I would have to say, for, my back is to you. My happier, I do think that's true. Yeah, happier for my happiness. Someone who's happy about your happiness. See, when you have success or your friend has success, that will test your friendship. When your friend buys a home and now they have a bigger home than you, or when they get a promotion and now they have a bigger office than you, or when their kid makes the honor roll and now they have a brainier child than you, or when your friend has a bigger ice cream than you have, well, it's very easy for envy and jealousy to get into the mix and to create a distance between you. I've seen that happen. Over and over again, I've seen that happen. But when you determine that you're gonna be the kind of friend who's gonna celebrate the success of your friend, you're gonna applaud their achievements, that you're gonna congratulate them on their accomplishments. You know, one of the great examples of this is found in the Bible. There's a friendship between two men, Jonathan and David. It's a great model for friendship. These two guys, they love each other. Their souls are knit together. They're two men having a very deep and healthy friendship. Now, Jonathan's dad was the king. And so that meant that Jonathan would one day be the prince. But his dad had not served God the way that he was supposed to. And so God instead was going to make David the next king. Now before you rush by that, think about the very human tension that could cause. When Jonathan was, when he was young, you know, he was groomed to be the king. You know, he was trained to be the king. From very early days, he had a dream that one day he would rule over the kingdom, follow in the footsteps of his dad. And now he doesn't get the job, but instead his best friend gets the job and lives the dream that he thought he would live. How would you respond? It would have been very easy for that to create a distance between David and Jonathan. But instead, Jonathan will not let anything come between that connection between him and his friend. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, we read, in the name of the Lord, we've promised to be friends. We have said the Lord is a witness between you and me. He's a witness between your children and my children forever. There's that friendship from one generation to another generation. This is the kind of friendship that refreshes the soul and gives friendship its staying power. Of course, the best friend, the best friend you will ever have in your life is Jesus. When you think about Jesus, he's our king He's our savior, he's our deliverer. He's our rock and he's our fortress. He's the bread for our journey and the light for our path and the healer of our anxiety. He's the lifter of our head. When you think about Jesus, he's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the best friend we will ever have. 
There's no one that will ever care for us like Jesus. There was no one that will ever love us quite like Jesus. As the old song used to say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Jesus is your best friend. He's knocking on that door. Today, would you open that door and let him in? Look to him as your friend. Lean into your, him as your friend. As Jessica Johnson comes to sing this powerful song, My Jesus. You pass the point of weary Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much caring? Let me tell you about my Jesus Do you feel that empty feeling? Ashamed on all this dealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes the way Thank you, Jessica, for that wonderful song. And, and I hope that all this week, you'll really lean into Jesus as your best friend. And thanks for joining us for the online service today. If you need prayer, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. So contact us. You can call us. You can go to the church website. Reach out to us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, right after service, there's the wrap, and it's a way to take the sermon series or the sermon deeper and further. And so we hope that you'll stay tuned for that. And then finally, uh, we had a, a dear friend of the Cathedral of Faith for many years. He first 
came to the Cathedral of Faith all the way back in 1966. He's been a part of our journey as a church family and, and helped inspire faith and vision in each of our projects here at the Cathedral of Faith. And Reverend Hal Woodson uh, just went home to be with the Lord. And so I encourage you, if you would keep his family in prayer, and I'm going to be flying back to the funeral this week to participate in it. And so I appreciate your prayers on that. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And I pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.